The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon. And my name is Christy Crespin from Highland, California, and I am facilitating ACB History Book Discussion on September 28th, and we are reading in Chapter 11 of People of Vision, A History of the American Council of the Blind by James J. McGivern and Marjorie L. McGivern, copyright 2003 by the American Council of the Blind. This morning we have as our host uh, Janelle Allen and as our streamer, Larry Gassman, thank you both. I really appreciate you. And um, Janelle, could you give the particulars about muting, etc.? I would be happy to. Thank you. If you wish to participate, first begin by raising your hand with Alt-Y. Raise and lower your hand. Then unmute with Alt-A. Unmute, unmute. That's for the PC. If you are on the Mac, raise and lower your hand with Option-Y. Unmute with Command-Shift-A. On the iPhone, your raise hand is in the lower right-hand corner under more, and then mute and unmute is in the lower left-hand corner. And finally, for those using a dial-in phone or the dial-in number, star nine will raise your hand, star six will unmute. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. So I know we generally have people trickling in. I appreciate the people who are here already. Some I don't recognize, um, and so this means that there are some first-time people here, and I really appreciate that. I think that's awesome. Some of you have read the book, and some of you are here uh, for the ride. Um, I welcome discussion, and um, including from you, Janelle and Larry. So um, what we usually do is start out by discussing uh, our thoughts about the previous chapter. So those of you who have uh, a discussion, thought, question about um, chapter 10, please raise your hand. And remember, chapter 10 was um, from 1989 to 1995. There are no hands yet. Okay. So um, I know that we had lost um, DeWard McDaniel in late 1994. Um, oh, Musi just raised her hand. Okay, good. And w- uh, from a heart attack. 
and we had um, the commission um, of the writing of this book uh, two weeks before Durward McDaniel died. Uh, you see? You'll need to unmute. All day. Okay. Are there any other hands while we're waiting for Lucy? No, there are not. Really? Nobody wants to weigh in on that three-hour chapter? (laughs) I think, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting... Okay, yeah. Lucy, you lowered your hand, so um, if you want to unmute, you're still welcome okay, to do am that. Okay, I, am I? There, there you go. Now there you are, you yes. Go. Oh, God. Okay. Oh. Um, I wanted to hear more about Marie. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the woman. Boring. Uh, boring, right. Uh-huh. At, at some point in time, maybe not right now, but at some point in time, I wanted her highlighted. And I just wanted to say I was very, I was very impressed with how worldly Paul Edwards' life story is, because he is my age. Uh-huh. And yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thank you. All right. And Larry has his hand up. Larry? It's funny. You talked about Paul Edwards, and and so many of these people I didn't know, except for the people that I had run into as I was growing up. Paul Edwards was one. But I immediately got the feeling that he was a, special and still is a special kind of person i ran into him because john and i and jeff bishop were organizing the 20th anniversary of acb radio and main menu and of course paul had a lot to do with that with jonathan mosen and i called him and said hey could you sit down because we were in the middle of the pandemic and i said could you sit down on zoom and we'll chat and he said sure and we talked for a half hour, a lot about philosophy, not just ACB, but philosophy and character and all kinds of terrific things. And he's become a friend. And I streamed uh, Tuesday Topics for over a year and a half until my outside hobbies got involved and I couldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. But but he is a terrific person. And the thing I noticed about him, especially when I was reading the book, was that if you ever wanted someone who could look extremely hard at both sides of an issue and then give you his viewpoint but still allow you to give yours, it was Paul Edwards. He was perfect to be president, I believe, during that time period uh, because there was a lot of stuff going on. And and the reaction when he made his final speech was indicative of, of the character of this person because he got lots of reaction from the people assembled. Uh, so he he was a high point of that last chapter in terms of doing what he thought needed to be done, and it was all always for the best for ACB. Yeah, the really interesting thing about um, ninety five to two thousand one is they talked about how basically it was the new era um, because all of the um, founding members of um, well, the the NFB, you know, who who moved over to ACB and the founding members of ACB, um, they were gone. 
Um, and so we then come upon a new generation and uh, things begin to take some different uh, some different uh, paths and and uh, changes are beginning to be made um, in in the last chapter in chapter 10 and chapter 11 they talk about how you know sometimes people were so paranoid about things happening and about leadership taking over that um, the the democracy was almost too um, it kind of held things back. Any hands? No, not yet. All right. So then let's begin talking about chapter 11. And that was um, the period of 1995 to 2001. And I... I tried to send out invitations to people who I know, you know, lived this. Um, this I remember. Um, I was in um, the NFB until probably, well, the CCB split. And so then I belonged to CCB um, and I didn't belong to um, ACB, I, my husband and I dropped out a bit, not dropped out, but kind of dropped back. And we, uh, were raising our, our children. And then we came back and went to a convention, uh, a national, and it was, I was so surprised. Um, Another thing happened was kind of interesting, and I'm I can't remember what year it was, and I'm not sure. Um, it was an NFB convention in a state convention in October, and I don't know if it was 1997 or 1990. Oh, it had to, yeah, 1998. No, it was 1997. Um, we had gone. My my. Uh, Coworker and I had dressed up, and we thought it would be fun um, to to visit the the um, NFB convention in um, Anaheim. And it was I was really surprised because it was so small. Um, even though I mean, my husband and I had kept up with the state CCB conventions, but it was so small. Um, and um, NFB had the practice of, and I don't know if they still do, of when their sessions were um, being held, that they would close off the exhibit rooms, the exhibit hall. So that was uh, kind of an interesting, fun, funny little thing to think about. They still do. And you have a hand? Okay. Alan? Alan, go ahead. Yeah, I went to an NFB convention. Oh, they closed all. Pull back a little bit, Alan. They just closed all the convention. I mean, they closed the. They closed the exhibit. Yes, okay. They did. 
Okay. From the workshops you had to attend also, I guess you kind of forced into it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, um, so some of the um, changes, yeah. Um, Paul was, Paul Edwards was um, a president who, we, you know, he was born in 1945 is what the cameo says. Um, and we think of that as, wow, 1945. I mean, I wasn't born until 1953. So, um, but we, we, we think of him as a new generation ACB, which, you know, I think people from next gen are going, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, um, we are now in the time, uh, in chapter 11 where they're moving things around, um, an executive director, um, is being hired and Marie Boring was not happy that they called it an executive director or was that MJ Schmidt, um, did not like that they called it an uh, executive director position because um, because Doward McDaniel never wanted um, that title to be used for anyone involved in in ACB. Um, we see board positions being changed. We see an executive committee being formed. From and I like this instead of it being just the executive board of the president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer, we have it as two board members um, the president, um, and I'm trying to, I know there were two other members, one I think was the um the editor, but then it turned into the board of publications. And I don't remember who the third, maybe it was a vice president. Um, But I believe that's still um, in action today. Um, um, And I think that's great for not precluding the directors from being involved in um, day-to-day operations. Um, They moved personnel matters, most of them, to the executive director. And we've had some pretty awesome executive directors. I believe all of them have been blind. Um, And we also have had um, new affiliates come in like um, the um, AAVL, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. I believe they came in in 1996. Um, B-Flag came in in 1999. Um, And, of course, then B-Flag, you know, was was subsequently um, became... um, Blind Pride International. So uh, we have so many things happening. We have the death of 
of uh, William, William, I mean, sorry, Jennings Randolph. Um, we had um, the Americans with Disabilities Act um, being um, um, implemented. We had anniversaries. I was just reading about um, Tom Harkins on the 40th anniversary of, of uh, ACB, how he gave a speech and um, he was influenced by his brother's um, disability of deafness. So who has some thoughts about chapter 11? I don't want to just hear myself speak. So, Mary Beth has her hand raised. Yay! Welcome, Mary Beth. Go ahead. Hi. Um, actually, in some ways, I found uh, Chapter 11 a little bit disconcerting because so many of the issues that were um, being talked about and dealt with in, in Chapter 11 um, uh, are issues that we still talk about and deal with today. The, the whole thing when um, Paul was talking about, you know, um, how blind students are not well prepared for employment, I thought that that was very interesting that in the in the 90s, you know, he was saying how, you know, they look, they just sort of shuffle to school, they can't read, write, spell, they barely make it through, and then they're, they're not prepared for, you know, for jobs. And, um, and I, and the whole, um, the, the whole uh, accessible pedestrian signal thing, um, you know, where they have all this technology, I was surprised that they had some of the technology, um, in, in that chapter where they were talking about the, not just the, the chirps and stuff, but the, you know, the clicking lights or the vibrating buttons, you know, this sort of thing, that all that stuff has been available now for well over 20 years, closer to, to a quarter mm-hmm. of a century. Yeah. And so we're still fighting, um, in a lot of ways, some, some of the same things, you know, the, the employment issue just seems to be at a a dead number of um basically 70% of employable um blind adults are unemployed or underemployed and, and that's, even that's and, and even higher and even higher oh sure yeah i mean all that stuff is sort of airy anyway all those statistics I mean, there's not even a really good statistic unless unless I'm not aware of it. Not even really a good statistic of, for instance, how many blind people there are in, well, okay, I'll take New York State because that's where I live, how many blind people are in New York State. I mean, you'd think that this would not be hard, but it, it is. Yes. Um, it, it, they, there's an estimate, but it's mostly a guesstimate. And my yes. guess is if that's true here, that's probably true everywhere else. And yes. and so that's what that's what I thought about. You know, so many of the issues in, in chapter eleven are still the issues um that confront us today. And in some ways it's even I think um and you know, you guys are welcome to take exception to me on that and I hope that you're right. But I think some of the issues are worse. Um 
you know, more difficult to deal with. Certainly travel is in a lot of ways more difficult. I think in some ways employment is more difficult. Just looking at it from a human resources perspective, I think it's more difficult now for blind people in some respects. Thank you. Thank you for your comments because most definitely you are right on. That was one of my thoughts when I, you know, I've read this chapter like three or four times now and it's like, Gosh, we could, you know, and for a fact, I bookmarked places in the in the in the book where there, he's saying stuff, and people are saying things. Then that you could just quote them as saying today, and it would it's still relevant, and that's unfortunate. You do have another hand, Missy. Okay. Missy. Okay, now yeah. you can hear me. Okay. Yes, yes ma'am. Um, I just wanted to uh, agree with her about uh, so much of the technology is already available and we don't have it. Like, I would have loved to have that um, binging, you know, uh, sound on this side and then, and then said it was an echo on the other side. You know, think, it's just, it is infuriating the things that uh, could make our life easier. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's not there. And I, the other thing that struck me is how long it took, like the guide dog thing in Hawaii. Yes, you know, if you had, a, if you were a Hawaiian with a guide dog, okay, you can leave, but hey, you can't come back until until you have all these blood. T- you know, it was ridiculous, and it took over ten years, I think, for that to get settled. So it's just how slow everything moves. Yes, and so many people that I know, I uh, would, I would see people from Hawaii going to the to the conferences, to the conventions, and they would have to leave their dog because it was just not feasible to do all of those things. And they were so sad. I just remember talking to them and uh-huh. feeling so bad for them. Well, they won at the end, in the end, though. I right. Mean, right. So well, I know. sort of. I mean, they still have to make concessions and still have to, you know, who pays for that blood test? Who pays I'm not for sure. those things? I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure. And you have to let them know 14 days in advance. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I agree that there's a lot of things that uh, are in the pipeline or, you know, just not here yet or something that, anyway, have patience. It'll get here. <laughs> It takes 20, 20, 10 or 20 years for things to kind of happen, I think. Anyway, yeah. I'll shut up. Oh, thank, thank you. you. There else? are no other hands yet. Okay, we got a lot of time with just me talking. So I'm inviting people to speak and to conjecture and comment. Oh, Debbie Green. Debbie? Oh, there you go. Okay, I'm good. We good? Yeah. I think one of the things that um, I really enjoyed uh, reading about uh, Paul Edwards and his leadership, um, and I've been on some Zoom calls with him on Tuesday Tuesday topics and Mm -hmm. But the one thing that that really impressed me is the way there was one uh, one time I think and I'm pretty sure it was him where he made an appointment 
and sat down with the leader of NFB um, and spent a day trying yes. to, wasn't that Paul Edwards? Yes. That? Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, I've, I know that there, there is some collaboration between the two agencies at the local level, which I think is, is really a good thing. But I was really impressed that, that he understood that even from a national level, the importance of, of us working together on issues that we have in common and that he, that he made the effort to, to reach out and to set up that appointment and try to find some common ground. Yes. Yeah. In 1998. Um, and, and the other thing that I was reading that um, two weeks before Kathy, before um, Jernigan died, he contacted Kathy Skivers and they sat down and had um, two conversations Mm. about philosophical things. And, you know, I mean, because the whole thing is we were friends, our friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and this is the whole thing. It's not us or it's not them or us. Correct. Or us or them. It is, we are all in this thing together. Yes. At Smith has joined the meeting. And we're going to get a lot more accomplished if we can continue to, to find common ground. And, right. and, and, you know, work, work together and going in the same direction. Because right. we have, I think we have more in common than we have not. So it's worth the effort. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Any other hands? Not yet. Okay, I I hear we had just had a couple people joining us. So if you would we like did. to, if you would like to uh, comment on Chapter Eleven, um, nineteen ninety five to two thousand one, um, that would be wonderful. Um. I I have sent out an invitation for for uh, ACB presidents, um, past and present, to attend and to uh, for a panel for October twelfth, uh, which will be the um, the the week after we read chapter twelve, and um, so I think hopefully it will be. Um, something that we get um, some good response from and we will be able to have a nice panel discussion with some questions. Alan raised his hand. Alan? Were there a, uh, were they, were there was, uh, was there a precedent change at that time uh, between 1995 to 91? To, to 2001? 2001, yes. Um, believe it was all Paul Edwards okay because okay, he was there for six um, he was there for six years and then um, the next president who came in uh, was uh, Chris Gray okay to be so what were you all doing if you were involved with ACB between 1995 and 2001? What were you doing? 
What were you experiencing? Just waiting for people to get their hands up. Don, can you unmute? Are you available to unmute? I'm not muted, I don't believe. There you go. Now you unmute. Yeah, you are. Go ahead. Yeah, I, this, a lot of this was, I wasn't active at that time uh-huh. in the organization, I don't think, because it's certainly... Um, there was a lot of new, like some of the legislation. I was surprised I hadn't heard. And I'd uh-huh. never heard of California having a GBX. I never knew about that. Oh, yeah. I, I remember GBX. Anybody else remember GBX? Yay. <laughs> Debbie has her hand up. I don't know if that's in response to that, but she does have her hand up. Okay, Debbie. Audio now unmuted. Now, this was kind of prior to that. I, I unfortunately was not involved with it at that time, but um, I'm very uh, regret that. I don't know why that happened, how that slipped by me. But um, are there are there um, are there several presidents, past presidents, um, still living? How many? How many are there? Do you know? Um, we have Dan and five others. Um, wow. So That's I believe great. Oral Miller. Um, Chris Gray, Mitch Pomerantz, um, well, Paul Edwards, uh, Kim Charlson, and Dan Spoon. Wow. That's great. Good. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, I, I was, didn't really understand ACB, but I remember, Steve Spiker coming to one of our California conventions and I was really impressed with him. Um, and I remember um, taking the time to go speak. And Mary Beth has her hand up. And Christy, you. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Um, my Alexa was just talking. Okay, I was wondering. But Mary yeah. Beth does have her Mary, hand up. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Um, yeah, I think in view of the fact that, that at least, let's call it at least a potential fact that we are facing so many things that seem like that they just seem to be running around on a little wheel. I guess my question is, in the sense, you know, what else should we be doing? Um, I guess that I'd, I'd be, you know, especially from interested from the people that, you know, were around back then or, or next week or whoever, what, you know, what should we be doing to make this better? Because um, I'm not so sure that in all instances we're succeeding. And I, and I have to say that, yeah, I was around back then for sure, but I was basically, um, not not very engaged. Every once in a while, I'd go on a committee or do something, but mostly I was just working, and um, I really wasn't engaged. It was something that you know, in in in, in a certain way, I don't remember. It, um, 
you know, where it says it in the book, but in one of the chapters, it talks about how, um, and I know MJ used to say it to me a lot, you know, you know you're, you're pretty happy to reap the benefits of, of what we've done. But, you know, if you're not careful, they're not going to be here. Exactly. And, um, I do think that, that that is more of a possibility. I mean, if you look at the number of roundabouts that uh-huh. are uh, being constructed right now, and a few years ago, I participated in a study of roundabout, you know, roundabout safety or whatever. They put these lights on. And you're supposed to come and hit the button and um, and then try to cross the roundabout. Well, the light was very clearly um, saying that the p- people were supposed to stop and guess what the people did. They just kept on barreling through. Right. And um, so, you know, when you consider that, that sooner or later – for some of us or many of us, we're going to be constricted. I, you know, I came out from that study saying there's nothing that could make me um, take my guide dog and cross this roundabout because nine times out of ten, the people didn't stop. Yeah. But you know what? If we're not careful, you know, we're going to be living on little islands surrounded by roundabouts and we can't go anywhere. Um, yeah. And I think, okay, so then what do we do? And I, I you know, I, I don't I don't have the answers to that, and I don't know who does. But you know, are we not aggressive enough as far as the legislature? Are we not persistent enough? That was the other thing that was mentioned in Chapter Eleven. Talked about the the persistence and tenacity that was necessary for dealing with the legislature. Um, and I think that that those are things that somewhere along the line, um, I think I think we whoever the we is um, need to need to consider and really try to figure out what to do. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Beth. And Beth has her hand up. Beth? There you go. Beth? You're unmuted, Beth. Uh, uh Uh-oh. You are unmuted, but we cannot hear you. Uh-oh. I hear the click. Yeah, it says no yeah, video connected. Right, but she's on a but telephone. she's on a telephone, yeah. Oh, mine says phone unmuted, so Beth? All right, well, you may need to go out and come back in, unfortunately. So... Uh, yeah, there are, says yeah. you're unmuted. Yeah. Oh, Beth, come out and come back in and we'll hear from you. Um, you know, I was thinking that um, in reading this stuff, why is it that, uh, you know, in the city of Redlands in, in California, when you push the button, it goes bleep bleep. Yet there's no audible oh, no. signal. No oh. audible signal. You're in, Beth. I heard you say, "Oh no." Uh, yeah, now I thought I heard Beth, and then it said she left the meeting. So sorry. Oh, okay. uh, it's okay. Uh, sorry for that interruption. <laughs> um, but um, but why are some of these things not? already automatically built in they build in other things why 
are why is it not commonplace and why do we still have to special order things? You know, I, I think that's the, you know, um, I applaud Apple and voiceover because that was amazing. That was one of the reasons why I decided to get an iPhone because I bought my phone and I paid I don't know how many dollars I have spent so much money on technology. And then it doesn't even work well because it's retrofitted. But um, why is it that this world is not, you know, in our nation, is not cognizant and they talk about inclusivity and diversity. Yet, if, if you are of, um, a minority in color status, maybe in gender, maybe in religion, and maybe in age, and maybe in sexual orientation, but not in disability. We're not inclusive. It is, and and this is 2021. This is you know. 30 plus years after the ADA. And in fact, the ADA, in my opinion, has been weakened. Um, why are we not, why are we still fighting for these things? And why is it not automatic inclusivity? And again, the young generation, they are going to be in for a rude awakening as as Mary Beth said, when their safeguards that we fought so hard for with our blood, sweat, and tears are no longer available because nobody spoke up, because nobody wrote when, a, when there was a bill to cut off um, whatever things that we consider to be rights, not privileges. Because society still considers them to be privileges and not rights. Debbie raised her hand. Debbie? Audio now unmuted. And that would be just a follow-up with Mary Beth and you. That would be interesting to have have Dan or one of the others on here, Dan Spoon, and, and just ask that question, you know, what can we do? Um, and like Mary Beth said, whoever the we is, but the we is us. Yep, and, the we is us. And what what can I do? Do I, you know, I'm getting I'm getting involved at my in my local uh, affiliate. Um, I'm participating when I'm asked to serve on a committee. I'm doing that. Um, and and maybe there's but maybe there's other things I can do too. Maybe there's you know uh, national initiatives that I that I could jump in on and I could be more active, and it may be that there there is things that we can do so that things can go forward, um, and and so that the next generation does have a better life than than we did, and uh, it becomes more the general public and the, the decision makers even at the local level become yeah. more cognizant because some of the things that we're talking about are actually local level initiatives you know like like the signaling at the intersections and the 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 gym accessibility some some of those things are absolutely can happen at the local level if if we know how to interact with the decision makers 
So that might be an important thing to pursue sometime. Mary Beth raised her hand again. <laughs> Mary Beth. You can feel free to cut me off anytime. I, I think that um, part of the problem, though, is that some some of the um, values that were presumptive maybe 30 or 40 years ago are not so presumptive anymore. Um, on my neighborhood bulletin thing, there's some kind of electronic news thing that people post on, um, people are beginning to write about how come no one respects pedestrian right of way anymore? Well, as you know, as a long-term pedestrian, I can tell you that you know that is getting way worse. It is. You know, pe- people don't stop at stop signs necessarily. They don't they, you know, consider pedestrians. Yeah, yeah, crosswalk. That's like that's like nothing. And I think that, um, and just in terms of things that were sort of considered civility now are, are you know not. So in in essence, part of our problem really doesn't have to do with us anymore, but it has to do with that there are certain foundational values that aren't um aren't aren't assumed anymore. Um right. and right. that 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 does not you know that is not working in our favor. So we've got the holdover whatever we want to call it of the prejudices that have always been around, like blind people can't do anything or, you know, whatever. Um, and they can't work as fast or as well as their sighted colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. And then we've got this other stuff that, that says, well, you know what, I can just, I can do what I want. And, um, and the other thing is, I think that we're, when you were talking about the whole inclusion thing that, um, so much of it is driven by money, and unfortunately for all of us, the you know the majority of the blind population um, is not in the you know upper sector of the wealth category, and so that I think that works against us too. Thanks. Yes, most definitely. And Beth has rejoined us with her uh-huh. hand raised. So. Okay, Beth, go ahead. Wow, I hope you can hear me now. Oh, Miss, definitely. Welcome. Thank yes. you. Um, yeah, I agree with what the person before me was saying, even though I caught the last part of her conversation. Something else I think ACB should be involved with, it really concerns me, is like these kiosks with at Walmart and at different restaurants and um things like that, that they're a video. And um, unless you go with somebody sighted, you can't order your food or you can't do self-service or you can't, because they're not accessible. Even kiosks at the doctor's office or at a cable company sometimes, you know, they're not accessible. They're not uh, talking or they're not, they're just video. And how are we supposed to function? How are we supposed to use those? Right. I I have a follow-up. Go ahead, Larry. It's not perfect yet, uh, but we began to see this a couple of years ago at CSUN. Uh, Vispero has been teaming up with other organizations. As a matter of fact, McDonald's uh, McDonald's is the first one. And Matt Adair is going to be with us on Tech Talk 
in about two months to talk about that. Those are accessible. I've seen prototypes of others that are very accessible. And that doesn't mean that all of them are yet. But they are. this is definitely on their radar, uh, especially from a JAWS perspective and a Vispero perspective. I don't know how this will actually play out with regard to other screen readers like Narrator and NVDA. But there is a move afoot to make this at least begin to happen. So will that be for the actual device itself, or do we have to carry something with us like a cell phone or a PDA? No. I mean, you don't have to, but they, it's all it's all inclusive from what I understand. Yeah, that's good. And Teresa has her hand up. She just joined us. Oh, Teresa. Welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon. I've been listening on the um, ACB media platform but I wanted to say, Uh-oh. I remember once, okay. are you are you there? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Um, I wanted to say how um, one time my husband used to um, help take care of a man who had, um, he was in a wheelchair due to muscular dystrophy. And I remember this individual said to me one time how the blind people get everything. And this was way before Apple and, um, you know, uh, NVDA, um, in fact, way before JAWS. And and I remember I was like, we do. Well, I guess guess we did. Maybe at one time, but. You know, I, okay, I'm glad that, you know, like somebody talking about the inclusivity of, you know, um, the eye devices that you can find anywhere and also, um, Kindle and, um, and, um, my Samsung tablet. It has, um, a voice built in. I can't remember what they used, what they call it. It's not voice view. It's not voiceover. It's, um, talk back, I think, or voice talk. But my point, um, being, is that, you know, this was before all that. This was like in the late 80s when this individual said that. Yeah. And and, and that's because we actually, because the blind people, we fought, we were fighting. We were fighting hard and we were winning in the 80s. Yeah. Yes. And Don has his hand up. Don? Yes. Um, Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's, you know, I was uh, uh, really surprised at the amount of legislation going through. It was a very good, of course, he had much more recent data to take it from, but uh, there was a lot of activity with the everything from the the BP to uh, this, this, losing losing the commissions for the blind and things and that was really sad we we got our we didn't get a commission but we at least got a division you know so we we had to we went the california went the opposite way but yes thank you yeah there was a lot of legislation there was a lot there were a lot of resolutions and you know, when we produce those resolutions during the conventions, um, they get acted upon. Um, I, I appreciate hearing who won 
um, the different awards because of the activities that they um, that they were involved with, and um, I, you know, I guess my question is, when did we stop trying? When did we, as an organization or organizations, and as a society, begin to say? Um, someone else can do it. I was talking with one of my friends yesterday and um, she was telling me about some things that were going on with her daughter who is an Uber Eats driver and how badly she's being treated. And um, she's documenting things. And, you know, I, she would say something and, and, and I said, well, did you contact the, yes, we did. Well, did you, you know, and then she'd say something else. Did you contact? Yes, we did. How many of us can say, yes, we did after we complain? Do we actually do follow through it or do we say, um, okay, I thought about it, but, you know, someone else will do it. And, you know, Debbie, you were asking, I think that was Debbie, you were asking, what can we do? How many of us are involved in Facebook groups? community groups where we can introduce ourselves and start reaching out to our communities. Um, I reached out to someone on Nextdoor Highland um, and told them about our organization, California Diabetics in Action, that we're um, trying to organize in, in California. And I immediately got a message from a grandmother who has a grandson who has type 1 diabetes so are we actually reaching out are we doing those things that introduce ourselves and get ourselves out we can do a whole lot in acb community and that's great but you know people need to know who we are um, and they need to see us visibly and young people as well you have 10 minutes and beth has her hand up okay beth I wanted to say as well that um, people do need to know who we are, but like in New Mexico, our chapter is very unrecognizable because I, our president just, lack of interest, I don't know. She doesn't want to reach out to, to the membership. There's only like 10 members there and well, Supposedly, we have a male president now. I believe that's her husband. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, but I, so, I th- so Mary, also- Beth, Mary Beth, I mean, Mary, sorry, Beth, <laughs> do you have a list of the people on the roster? For your what chapter? do you mean? No, I'm not the president. No, it doesn't matter. Do you know who's in that chapter? No, most of them are in Albuquerque. Okay. And uh, she pays all the dues for them, so I don't know. So I guess... I don't don't know what what, that's all about either. What I'm going to ask is this, and, and this isn't personal, this is a rhetorical question. If I cannot control what other people do, 
I need to concentrate on what I can control. If I want exactly. to see, if I want to see change made, what can I do to facilitate that change? If I, I mean, you know, I ran for, uh, I didn't want to, I was still working at the time and I thought I'll wait till I retire and then I'll run for uh, the uh, director position on the, on the California council of the blind board. Well, I saw things falling and I, and I knew that I didn't want those things to fall. So I didn't wait for someone else. I stepped out in faith and ran for the a, a director position on the board. And it was not the optimal time. Is it scary? Yes, it's scary. Do I think I can do it? Not sure, but I'm sure it's going to try. And, um, you know, I, I know that most of us think about I can't do this, I can't do that, but what can I do? And if I think there's a little teeny tiny something I can do, it's better for me to step out and do that teeny tiny little thing in faith rather than having the, um, you know, the lack of feeling of, of, that I, I can't do anything, so I might as well not do anything, so I'm just going to gripe and complain. And right, I, I agree with you. And so, if nothing else happens with people who are reading this book, please step out in faith. Do what you can. Maybe it's one teeny tiny thing. Maybe it's making one phone call. But whatever it is that you can do, please do it. So we have about seven minutes. Um, I'd like to know if there are any last comments. Thoughts? Uh, uh, Go ahead, Don. Uh, yes, I, I, I was surprised at that the, how the organization has grown and prospered. You, you got it has you made you it's almost like an, an agency now because you've got a board of directors and uh, those constitutional changes the kind of the very things that uh, dr timbrook feared because he didn't like what had happened with the labor unions with being run by the business agents and the staff and Stuff, but you do have the staff that do a lot and can yes. can accomplish a lot. It's certainly a democratic organization, and uh, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of problems. They've gone through some hard times with the Reagan administration, and I don't know who all changed in Clinton too. I think so. I think that um, there there's can be, can be done. I don't know what's what's happening on the legislative front right now, but uh, it's very interesting. And Mary Beth has her hand up. Mary Beth. 
One thing I I thought was was interesting in chapter eleven was that it, it talked about and it actually Don reminded me of it when he was talking about the executive director issue is that um, the authors noted that when Charlie Crawford was uh, director of the Commission for the Blind in Massachusetts that he was not a member of ACB or NFB of course Correct. Uh-huh. and. Um, I really appreciated that note because because um, I think that you know I think it was smart to, to stay neutral um, and that doesn't always happen among um, directors of commissions for the blind as as, as we certainly see the, the yeah. um, contrast between you know Kenneth Jernigan in the in the seventies being you know, head of the Commission for the Blind and also president of the National Federation of the Blind. Um, I mean, certainly you see the crossover even even with the um, NFB Newsline, of which I am a subscriber, by the way. Mm-hmm. So but, um, it, you know, that, that um, it's uh, – I think we, we have to, to be vigilant – about you know we can't be vigilant about the whole world we can't you know but i do think we we can be vigilant about our own our own people you know where we get them from you know what their credentials are and and like i said i thought that that um charlie did a very good thing in when he was commissioner at massachusetts not joining either organization thanks thank you all right so um the next chapter is chapter 12, and it's basically talking about, you know, looking ahead. Where do we go from here? And I think, um, I really hope all of you who get a chance will read chapter 12, that you will join us next week. Um, and I will keep you posted on what, um, you know, what I find out regarding October 12th and and my invited panel. Um, I am very thankful that all of you are reading the history, whether you're live or, um, you know, picking this up at some other time, whether you're on the stream or are present on the, on the um, Zoom. Um, I hope to see you all next week. And we can have a a good ending discussion about where do we go from here, what what chapter twelve talks about, and again, uh, this is September twenty eighth. We have just finished chapter eleven of People of Vision: The History of the American Council of the Blind, and I'd like to thank Chanel um, Allen and as our host and Larry Gassman as our streamer. Blessings to you all and see you next week.